time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast, the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life is throwing your way. Recently, I've been doing a lot of interviews, my book on the immutable laws of living. And by the way, if you're interested in finding out more about that book, you can go to INeedThatBook.com, INeedThatBook.com. But the immutable laws of living are these laws that are around us all the time in our daily life that we violate and get stuck. And so because that book came out last month, I've been doing lots of interviews on radio stations and TV stations and on podcasts. And over the past couple of weeks, I've probably done 30 or so interviews on the radio. One of the questions that keeps coming up is about one of those laws, and the law is about happiness. If you notice, we're kind of surrounded by this happiness movement that's not working. If you go to the bookstore, the enders and the self-help section are full of books uh, proclaiming that you can find out how to be happy, which may raise the question of why so many books are looking at that. Well, the law that I'm talking about in my book, The Immutable Law, is the fact that it's not about happiness. It's not about happiness. Life is not about happiness. That's not the goal. So let's talk a little bit about why this is important. You see all of those books around and you realize that there's something about that that's going on in our culture that we want to be happy, that we're trying to get to that place of being happy. Recent poll by Harris uh, showed that about 33% of people, of, of Americans, reported that they were happy. 33%, one-third of the population reported that they were happy. So that means that two-thirds are reporting that they are somewhere below happy. Slight increase, I guess that's the good news. Maybe those books have made an impact. In 2016, it was 31%. So we made a 2% jump in two years to, for people, or one year, for people to say that they are happy. So what is that about? The Harris Poll was looking for people to self-report whether they're happy. So let's be first very clear that happiness is first a subjective thing. Somebody has to determine that they are happy. It's not something that we can measure kind of like blood pressure or pulse. You, you can't say, oh, that person, I measured them out, and sure enough, they're happy. That person said they weren't, but they really are. It's how we feel about that. Now, the fact is that somewhere around 70 to 75%, depending on the poll, of people say that they are hopeful about the future. So even while people are not reporting that in this moment, in this instant, they are happy, that doesn't mean that they don't have a long-term look and say, things are going to get better. It's just that right now, they're not feeling the happiness. And here's the problem. When we chase after happiness, it rarely comes our way. So my law, the immutable law about this, is that life is not about happiness and that when you chase happiness, it stays just out of reach. That's the problem. When the goal is happiness, that's what you chase after. And that begins to be a problem. The faster we chase, the further happiness seems to stay away from us. And so one of the interviewers said, well, what about our, the U.S. government? I mean, we, we start off with, with our, our government with the fact that we have the opportunity for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So can't we pursue happiness? 
it's an interesting point, but it misses a very important detail. The idea of happiness that our founding fathers were talking about is not the happiness that we're talking about these days. In fact, as we look through the other documents where they talk about happiness, it really is about living our best life and one of prosperity and well-being, that we have the opportunity in our country that's, that's kind of guaranteed by our founding fathers of pursuing prosperity and well-being as long as it's not the expense of other people because they also talked about happiness as a, a being a place of civil uh, connection, that we are all connected in this process. So our forefathers were not talking about the fact that we should just go through the day chasing after happiness like we talk about today. I want to be happy today. They were talking about something that was a bit deeper, the pursuit of well-being and prosperity. The pursuit of prosperity is a bit different than the pursuit of just feeling, having a feeling come upon us. Which brings me to one of what I think is one of the critical differences here. Happiness tends to be an external factor. In fact, you'll notice two words that are very similar, happy and happen. Their etymology, where they come from, these, these words, they, they share the same root of something out there. You know, something will happen to you that will make you happy. That's why they share that terminology. And that's the trap. That's the happiness trap, that something external has to happen to make you feel happy. That leads us to the second part of the trap, which is then we have to chase after it as the primary piece. So if you imagine what might make you happy right now, you might name lots of things. You may say, if I won the lottery, I'd be happy. If I got the raise at work, I'd be happy. If I got the promotion at work, I'd be happy. If my spouse was who I wanted them to be, I would be happy. You know, if my spouse didn't fight with me, or maybe if I had the perfect spouse, I'd be happy. If my kids listened to me and obeyed me, I would be happy. If I got to go on vacation to some place I've always wanted to go, that would make me happy. Notice those are all external. It's all looking for something out there to change the internal state. And whenever we put our internal state based on external things, we're already in trouble. Because now the same thing can be undone. I remember a gentleman that came to my office years ago and he sat down and he kind of put his arms in his, his head in his arms and hands and said, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. I want to be happy. I'm just not happy. And so I started asking him, you know, what, what do you think is going on now that's not got you happy? And he said, well, you know, my wife and I are on, on the best terms. We're struggling. I'm just not happy. If, if that was better, I'd be happy. So he talked some, and he worked on the relationship. It got a little bit better. He came back in my office, head hung low, just not happy. Well, what make you happy? Maybe if I change jobs. And I said, well, I'm not sure that's going to do it, but what would you do if you were going to change jobs? And we talked about that a bit, and sure enough, he went and changed jobs. Came back in my office. I'm just not happy. And we started going through lots of different changes. Changed his car, changed his wardrobe, changed his exercise habits, his eating habits, changed who he hung around with, changed his hobbies. Everything he tried out external would result in him coming back in to report that he was still not happy because he kept thinking that the external would change it. Something out there would finally turn it around and he would finally get to the place 
that he was happy. So I asked him a different question. What do you think would be meaningful in your life? What would you do that would bring some sense of meaning and purpose in your life? And he admitted he never thought about that before. So we talked some about what he had done in his past that led him to a sense of satisfaction, someplace that had maybe even brought him some joy in the process. And he started talking about some external pieces that he had done, some volunteer work that he had done. And they were outside of him, but he talked about the internal pieces that that represented. He believed that there were certain things important and His places that he chose to volunteer represented his internal values. As he began to change that, he began to notice another shift within him. He wasn't chasing after happiness anymore. When you seek out your purpose, that's where the shift happens. Because we're no longer chasing after happiness, but we're looking for our purpose. You can always choose your purpose, and that's where we change things. If I ask you what has to happen out there for you to be happy, that's one question. If I ask you what you can do that would make it feel like a deeper purpose for you, something that's significant and purposeful in your life, that's something that you can always choose. He could always choose to involve himself in places that gave him a sense of purpose. He could always choose to take part in something that in the past had given him satisfaction and joy and see if that began to feed it differently. So I would propose some questions. If you find yourself also chasing after happiness and finding that it's not getting you where you want to, I would suggest a few questions that might change it for you. First question, what brings you deep satisfaction? Now, let me distinguish this. You might eat a great meal and feel satisfied. You might go for a run and come home and feel satisfied. You might do lots of things in life, and they momentarily make you feel satisfied. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking a deep level of satisfaction. Think back. What have you done in your past that left you with a lingering sense of satisfaction, not for an hour, but for days? Maybe it was a project that you did or a group that you helped or some other something that you chased after that gave you a deep sense of of meaning and purpose and satisfaction because satisfaction comes when we're living out that place of meaning and purpose. So what brings you deep satisfaction? Number two, where do you use your skills and talents? We all have them. Sometimes they're invisible to us. I was talking to a person the other day uh, who uh, is a teacher, uh, one of the instructors at the jiu-jitsu class where I go to, and I was asking him about private lessons, and he bashfully told me about uh, the charge of that, the cost of that. I asked him why he was so bashful about that, and he said, well, because I love to teach so much that I really don't even like charging for it. I have to, and I said, but that's the thing. If you find something in your life that you love doing so much that you would do do it for free and you get paid, that's an amazing thing. So where are your skills and your talents? Where's your thumbprint in the world? Because you have something that is unique. We all do. I believe that one step beyond that, we have something unique and we are here with some purpose. In fact, I believe that we are wired to look for a place to do purposeful work, but we're here for a reason. What's your reason? 
the place you find that is that place of deep satisfaction that is married with your skills and your talents that you uniquely show in the world. Nobody else does the world the way you do. Unless you keep that inside. Unless you hide that away. And so what do you do that allows you to use your gifts and your talents in ways that nobody else does? Number three, when would you say the struggle is worth it? Now, this is a different one because... As I talked about in previous podcasts, sometimes people get stuck in the belief that life, when it gets tough, means it's wrong. And I'm suggesting that sometimes life, when it's tough and we're still willing to do it, means it's right. It's right where we need to be. If we're willing to go through it, that tells us something. Sometimes people can realize that something is just not worth it when they're not willing to go through the difficult times to get beyond that whether it's training or some other experience, sometimes we decide that we just don't want to move through those difficult times. It's just not worth it. But then there are other things in life, whatever they are, that you decide is worth it, even the tough times. It could be about relationships. It could be about your marriage. It could be about being a parent or a friend or child of somebody, your caregiving can, can be draining, but you, at the same time, you realize that it's worth it. Or maybe it's training. You decide that you want to do some career that takes some level of training, and you're willing to go through all the hoops, jump through all the difficult hoops, and, and go through all the difficult things to get there. And one of the things I've talked about in my graduate school is I, I realized it had far less to do with intelligence and far more to do with being able to keep moving forward, to being stubborn even, to being able to and willing to push through the difficult challenges that came forward. The many people who it just wasn't worth it left programs, didn't make it through because it wasn't worth it. Didn't mean anything about them except for what they were moving towards. They realized it wasn't worth it. So your question is, when is the struggle worth it? If you can figure out when the struggle is worth it, you've already realized that something is incredibly important to you. Number four, big question. What do you want to do that will impact the world? We humans cannot avoid making an impact in the world. It's unavoidable. We are impact creatures. A lot of scientists talk about how this age is the age of, uh, of human impact because we have done some damage to the world, but also we've done some pretty great things in the world. So we're going to make an impact. And the question we have to ask is, are we making a positive or a negative impact? Many times when people are pursuing happiness, they end up making negative impacts because they're going for shortcuts. It's the root of addictions. It's the root of people uh, being dishonest and trying to get ahead in uh, disingenuous ways because that's their quick answer to getting happy. But if we turn it around and ask, how do I want to leave the world a better place? How do I want to make a positive impact? Now we've made a shift. If you follow that question, you'll notice that it brings us back to the question of what's my purpose? What meaning do I have in my life? What difference do I want to make in the world? That's the meaning, purpose, impact triad that I talk about. It's incredibly important to use that as our guiding force. If we begin to look for that rather than happiness, something interesting happens. Happiness sneaks up from behind. 
if we're living a life where we're trying to live out our purpose, trying to find the deeper meaning of pieces, trying to make a positive impact in the world, we find that the happiness is there. We get the feeling. We get the joy, the satisfaction. We get that sense of being satisfied with the struggles because it's not about the cheap happy. It's about the deep happy, some place that we found that resonates within us. If this has been helpful and you think maybe you just might be violating some other rules, let me suggest my book, The Immutable Laws of Living, that lists 16 laws that you may be breaking, you don't even know it, that's keeping you stuck. Easiest way to find out more about that is to go to INeedThatBook.com, INeedThatBook.com, and you can learn all about the laws that you may be breaking without knowing it. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best for a thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.